Let's, uh, that's good, thank you. Let's start with prayer. Father, thank you for uh, our time together now as we think about what you called us to do as your people. So meet with us, be our teacher, be our helper, encourage us with uh, the beauty and the glory and the power of the gospel. That's our prayer in Christ's name, amen. All right, uh, we've been going through our mission and vision statement, as you know, and this morning Randy talked about three words, worship, connect, and serve. The, uh, the mission statement, we are refuge for broken people where we experience the grace of Christ and express the truth of the gospel. So basically what we're going to do now is I'm going to show you how that breaks down into three further things. Express and experience breaks down into worship, connect, and serve. So if you were here at 8.30, that's the, that was the message. And if you're going to be here at 11, that's what it's going to be about. Worship, connect, and serve. And as we've been telling you from the beginning, there's nothing original about, about that mission statement. Nothing at all. Uh, we've just put it in an easy-to-remember form. A refuge for broken people. And just out of curiosity, I got the concordance out to see how many times the word refuge is in the Bible. And it's in there 93 times. So that's, a, that's a, an idea that's cooked all through the Bible, refuge, a refuge for broken people, experience grace, express the truth of the gospel. Now, uh, this morning, we're going to see that again. So what I'm going to do uh, is show you, we're, gonna t- we're, we're focusing on those three big realities, those three big privileges, those three big ways that we experience and express Experience grace, experience the gospel, express grace, express the gospel, worship, connect, and serve. Uh, Now the Bible, as you would expect, it has so much to say about all three of those, more than we could ever look at at one time. But maybe the key thing to understand about those three things that I'm going to kind of focus on, worship, connect, and serve is that they are driven by the gospel. They are powered by the gospel. They are powered by grace. So let me, Randy just said this a minute ago. So I'm just going to quote him. A gospel-shaped member. So those three things are a gospel-shaped. Now that's an important word. A gospel-shaped member is one that is produced by the experience of grace. It is not by guilt. It is not by manipulation. It is not by compulsion. It is in response to experiencing grace. That is what drives it. Right? And that is, that is so important. In fact, if you were here for Sunday school last week, you heard uh, Philip talking about hills to die on. There are some hills that we will die on. There's plenty that we won't, but there are some that we will, and this is one. What motivates the Christian life? What, where does it come from? What does it come out of? And if we get that wrong, if you get that wrong, then Christianity becomes something else. It's not even Christianity anymore. Uh, worship, connect, and serve will all be spoiled and turned into burdens and weights that drag us under rather than wings that carry us further up and further in in our likeness to Jesus, right? 
So just as our, our mission statement is, is baked into the Bible, and, and Randy could do this January series, he could do it from just about anywhere, and he could do it from almost any book of the Bible. And in the same way, this is cooked in the Bible, grace before works. That's, that's really what we're talking about, grace before, grace that propels worship, connect, and serve. Now, one beautiful way to see this is what I want to show you this morning, and that is in Paul's prayers. Paul's prayers. Paul, uh, in, in six or so of his letters, six or seven of his letters, he, he prays for the churches. He quotes himself praying, and he also talks about how he prays for them. He tells them what, he's, what he thanks God for, and then he says, and I'm praying for da-da-da-da-da. He does that in uh, about half of his letters. Right? Uh, and so, look at the handout, the little handout I made you there. <clears throat> and I'm just going to walk through this with you, and then we'll talk a little bit about the three pieces, worship, connect, and serve, and I want to show you a couple of things in the new member guide. And here, here's the goal. Here's what I want to accomplish by looking at this. I want you to see another beautiful and powerful confirmation of our mission and vision. You find it everywhere. Of course, you find it in Paul, in Paul's theology, and you see it in Paul's prayers. Paul prays for gospel-shaped members. Now, he didn't say it like that. He didn't think it. But that's what he does in his prayers. All of them. He's praying for gospel-shaped members. Um, So, I want you to, to see another confirmation of our mission and vision, but also I want you to be encouraged by the gracious way, the gracious way that God calls us to worship and connect and serve. The gracious way. Now, the easy way, the way that I would tend to do, my inner Pharisee, worship, connect, and serve, would want to say, come on, man. What do you mean coming to church once a month or four times a year? Or what, what's wrong with you? Or with connection? Why can you, you can't, don't you know you can't live the Christian life by yourself? Why are you not getting, and why are you not serving? See, that's, that's kind of, that's the easy way to do it. And that works, I think Randy mentioned, that works for about three weeks. Because you can get people to do things like that. It works short term, but it always stalls out and turns the Christian life into a disaster, into a burden. And I'll tell you what else it does. It causes people to leave the faith. If they grow up and they're, they're just bombarded with this is what you've got to do, this is what you've got to do, and if you aren't doing these things, you're not a Christian. That's what causes people that grow up in churches like that to, to quit, Right? But as Paul prays for his churches, and this is a beautiful thing to see, as he prays for his churches, he never just says, I pray that you would be faithful in your worship attendance. He never says anything like that. I pray that you would connect better with each other. He never says anything like that. I pray that you would do more good works. And in the New Testament, that's what service is usually called, good works. But Paul never says... I pray that you would do this. and 
I pray that you would buckle down and work harder on those things. But you know what he always prays for? In all of his prayers, no exception, he says, I pray that you would understand the gospel better. Every one of them, I pray that you would understand grace better. I pray that you would see Jesus like you've never seen him before. That's how he prays for his, the folks in his churches to grow, to worship, to connect, and serve. He says, I pray that you would understand the gospel better. Now, let's, let's look at this, and let me try to walk you through this. Um, I love to recommend books, and if you're interested in Paul's prayers, this is the one to get, D.A. Carson, Praying with Paul. I, this is where I can get all of it. I'm not saying anything original here, so... What it says is at the top, oh, I'm sorry, I need you to turn to Colossians. Just Colossians, first two chapters, you're not going to have to turn anymore. Um, If you have your Bible, Colossians 1, and everything I'm going to show you is, is right here in the first chapter of Colossians and a little bit in the second chapter. Get a pew Bible if you don't have yours. If somebody has a pew Bible or your phone, what, is the, uh, what page is Colossians 1 on in the pew Bible? Ma'am? 983. All right. Now let me encourage you to look, to look at it. Some of you are not, you're not picking up a Bible. You're not looking. I want you to see it for yourself. All right. There we go. Pick up a pew Bible, 983. All right. The grace waterfall in Paul's prayers. Now just before we look at it a little closer, let me just kind of show you what you see there. You You see the gospel at the top. You see that? Because of Jesus, I am qualified, delivered, transferred, redeemed, forgiven, reconciled. And those words are all in the first chapter of Colossians. Every one of those words. Loved and accepted forever, I added that. And then you have Colossians 1.6 quoted at the top. Now watch this. Since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God. You hear that? Since the day you understood the grace of God. What does that result in? I'm going to read this to you in just a second. Faith, hope, and love. You find that little triad all over Paul's letters. Faith, hope, Love. And then going on down from those, you have worship, connect, and serve. And you're going to see all three of those just here in Colossians. Right? Hmm? What? Colossians 1. Yes, I'm fixing to read the whole thing so you can see it. Now, you see those references I put at the bottom of the page also? I put those down there because what I'm about to show you, you can more or less see also in Ephesians, Philippians, 1 Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians. The same thing. I'm just going to show it to you in one one book, Colossians. All right, look at the text with me. me. And the idea here is that grace is at the top. And I, I thought about calling this trickle-down, but it does, it's not a trickle-down, it's a waterfall. 
And the waterfall comes down into worship, connect, and serve. But the gospel and grace is at the top. That's the whole point this morning. You see it already? The gospel is at the top. The waterfall down to worship, connect, and serve a gospel-shaped man. Let me pause and say, our natural tendency, the way that we're wired, our, our default mode as fallen people, do you know what it is? It's to do this backwards. It's to take worship, connect, and serve and use those things to get up to redemption. That's just what we do. If, 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 if you don't learn better by hearing grace preached from the Bible, that's what we do. Think about trying to make a waterfall go up. That's about what it is to get the Christian life backwards here and try to earn my way into God's love and acceptance by worshiping, connecting, and serving. You see the difference here? Instead of you start at the top with God's grace that comes to us from eternity. All right, look at Colossians 1, verse 3. We always thank God. Now he's praying. This is his praying right here. We always thank God. The Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love that you have for all the saints. Now there's the connect piece. The connect piece is, is assumed all through here. The love you have for all the saints because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. Now there's the little triad at the top. Do you see it? Faith, hope, love. Faith, hope, and love. You can find the same thing in 1 Thessalonians. You can find the same thing in 2 Thessalonians. Faith, hope, and love. So if you look at this, uh, Paul says, I thank my God because, because of your... What, it, what is his metric that his churches that he's planted, the, these people that he knows about, what is his metric that they're growing? What is it and what is it not? We just read it. What is it? It's the presence of faith, hope, and love. It's not, well, you added 60 people last year, or you've got, you're running out of room, or anything like that. You see it? His metric that his churches are growing and prospering is the presence of faith, hope, and love, which trickle down to worship, connect, and serve, as we'll see. All right. Verse 5, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, of this you've heard before in the word of the truth, the gospel. The gospel. And I've got it defined at the top of the page there with words that come only from the first chapter of Colossians. Qualified, delivered, delivered, transferred, redeemed, forgiven, reconciled. Which has come to you, verse 6, as indeed in the whole world it's bearing fruit and increasing, which is what the gospel does, which is what grace does. It bears fruit and it increases. It doesn't leave people just the same and they never, ever change. Grace is a power that changes people. As it also does among you since... Now watch this. 
when did their experience as Christians begin? When did it all start? Since the day you heard it, and what is it in the context? It is the gospel. Since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth. Do you see that? Do you see the point? The day, what started everything in your church there in Colossae is the day you understood the grace of God. Not the day you all decided to start having church and you all, not the day you started worshiping and connecting and, or well, anything, but the day you understood grace. There it is. And so I've got it at the top. I've got that quoted. See it? Colossians 1.6. Understood grace. Now let me pause and say and, and uh, let you hear something. Don't turn any of this other stuff up. Just listen. But Paul's prayers in Ephesians, he has two prayers recorded in Ephesians, chapter 1 and chapter 3, and listen to what they both are. Listen. Ephesians 1.15, For this reason, because I've heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints. There it is. Faith, love. That's his metric that, they, that they're getting it, that they're growing. I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. That, here it comes, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of Him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which He has called you, what are the riches of His glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of His power toward us who believe according to the working of His great might. In a word, what does He pray? that you would understand the gospel. That's it. That's what he prays for. The burden of Paul's prayers, and you'll, you have to go read them all to see this. You know, we want to pray and we rightly pray for physical things that we're dealing with and people and there's this problem and I'm dealing, facing this. It's, it's right to pray for those things and we should. But the burden of Paul's prayers without exception, as he prays for the people in these churches, is that they would, is for their sanctification, their understanding of the gospel. It, always. That's all he prays for when he prays for these people. So that's the first chapter of Ephesians. Now listen to his prayer in chapter 3 of Ephesians, 3.14. He says, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according, here comes the prayer, that... According to the riches of His glory, He may grant you to be strengthened with power through His Spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Oh, wait a minute, they're already Christians. That Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints. There's the connection piece. You, you don't do this by yourself. With all the saints... What is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge? What is that? What's he praying for? Just that you would understand the gospel. Do you hear that? That you, your heart and your mind would expand so that you can understand even more the beauty and the glory of Christ and who he is and what he's done for you. 
Or Colossians 1.6, the day you heard and understood the grace of truth. Paul prays that they would, they would understand more and more and more. All right, now, you see below that, below that reference there, experience and express. Experience and express. Those are two words in our mission statement. And then you see the little triad, faith, hope, and love. Now, I made love a little bit bigger than faith and hope. Not that faith and hope aren't important, but if you go and read Paul talking about that little triad in 1 Corinthians 13, and those of you who are in the Middlers 1 class have got a treat coming in the spring, Matt Vines is going to go through that chapter with you in the spring, 1 Corinthians 13. But what does Paul say at the end of 1 Corinthians 13 about faith, hope, and love? Somebody, somebody say, what does he say? The greatest is love. There's a sense in, with, in which faith and hope will be gone in the new heavens and the new earth. But love will go on forever. Now, love. Let me let you hear a couple of, just a couple of cross-references uh, Philippians 1.9 where Paul talks about love other than 1 Corinthians 13. Philippians 1.9 Paul says, It is my prayer that your love may abound more and more. You see how important this is to him. Uh, 1 Thessalonians 3.11 These references are all on the bottom of the page so you don't have to jot them down. They're all on the bottom of the page if you want to have them. 1 Thessalonians 3. Uh, 11, now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus direct our way to you and may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all. There's his prayer for the connect piece. That love expresses itself as we're together. He's not just talking about a feeling that, you know, I, I like my friends at church. He's talking about Now, I totally forgot what I was even talking about. <laughs> All right, back to Colossians 1. Let's see. Verse 6. Since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth, just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant. Now, here's a preview for... Next week, they, they learn all this because somebody went and told it to them. So that's the go piece, and that's so important that we're saving that for a separate lesson next Sunday. He is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf and has made known to us, here it is again, your love in the Spirit. Across the board, if you had to pick one word that, that Paul zeroes in on as the metric that that church is growing and that they've understood the gospel, it would be love. Not how many people you've got, not how many this or that or the money or anything, but love. Do you remember last, if you were here for Sunday school last Sunday, Philip, he referenced the story in Luke 7 about the, the woman that came and uh, anointed Jesus' feet with the oil and, and the, the guys got all mad and said it was a waste of money and Jesus said, She's been forgiven much, so she loves much. You see that connection? She's, you, you've been forgiven, so you decide, well, I better never miss church again. 
or I better start doing something serving. It doesn't say that, though that woman probably did all those things. Forgiven much, loved much. Uh, Randy has referenced this book, uh, You're Not Crazy. He's going to, if you weren't here at 8.30, if you're here at 11, he'll reference it again. But there's a little thing here about love. And I'm, I'm seeing love as kind of, kind of the engine that brings, brings the gospel on down into those three big words that we're interested in, worship, connect, and serve. Love is sort of the, the transformer that brings the grace on down to those three as, as I've got it driven there but, or, or drawn there. Um, listen to this. Jesus shows us this when he says, and then he quotes John 13, 35. By this all people will know that you're that you're my disciples if you have love for one another. Now listen, he says, uh, if we didn't already know how it ended, we might instinctively complete that sentence differently, right? In our heart of hearts, we sometimes believe the world will know we're Jesus' disciples if we're more impressive than our surrounding culture, if we have a mic drop answer to every skeptic's question, if our people seem more put together than everybody else, or if our preacher is always telegenic. I had to look that word up and it means looks good on television. Our preacher is always telegenic and our music team always gives a virtuoso performance. But Jesus puts his emphasis elsewhere. What will most clearly show the presence of heaven on earth that God is alive and well and right here is our love for one another. So if we want to prosper as a church that God uses, it's like Randy said this morning, you'll hear him at 11, it's not about, it's not about uh, numbers or any of that kind of stuff. Do we love on people that come in here and do we love one another? The quality of our relational life in our churches is to be an apologetic for the world around us. As Francis Schaeffer once wrote, Jesus is giving the world permission to judge whether we are true Christian disciples on the basis of whether we love one another. And one of the ways that that love is fostered and built is in the connection piece here. We get together because we love each other and we want to be together, right? Okay, let me keep going. Verse 9. And so, now here's where he gives his prayer. This is how I pray for you. And so, this is Colossians 1, 9. From the day we heard that, that you've understood grace, that there's faith, hope, and love in your group. From the day we heard, we've not ceased to pray for you. Now, what is important enough to pray for all the time and never stop? This. Asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. What is that? That's a lot of things. That you understand God's will. Spiritual wisdom and understanding. That you understand the gospel. 
that you understand who Jesus is, that you see Jesus in all His beauty, that you, you get that, you understand that, you hear that. Now, here's a simpler answer. How do, you, how do you figure out, how do you find out what the knowledge of God's will is in all spiritual wisdom and understanding? Now, here's where I'm going to have to pause and get on my hobby, my, my soapbox for just one second. Say that again. Read your Bible. Uh, it's, I always kind of hesitate to start going off on that because it seems so obvious. Um, but we don't do it. So do you, see, do you see the little flappy wings there on the line? That I, I put a little note in there. This is an open Bible. That's being read. Now, I, started, I, I originally had in there every day, all the time, but my wife said take that out. Cause, and I took that out because this doesn't want to sound, you know, If you're not reading your Bible, you're a bad Christian. I don't want to say that. I want to say that, but I don't want to say that. (laughs) So I've put the little flappy wings. That's supposed to be an open Bible. See, I've put it in the line going from understanding grace down to faith, hope, and love, and then down to worship, connect, and serve, as if to say your own understanding of grace and the gospel will be strengthened as you're reading the Bible yourself, as you're reading it yourself. So let me just pause and say we've we've got some groups here, uh, only three. I wish we had 10 or 12 or 15. We're following a yearly plan, read, get together, and just talk about whatever anybody wants to that you read in the past week, all right? Read it yourself. There's... there's, um, Literally hundreds of different plans you can get online about how to read the Bible. Uh, this, here's one thing. It's a one-year Bible. It's got, the, it's got the, uh, the Psalms divided into a year. That takes, oh, 15 seconds a day. It's got the New Testament divided into, year, into a year. That would take you, oh, four, five minutes a day. Or you could do the whole thing. If you read the whole Bible in a year, that would be too much to start off as a beginner, but you can do that in, in uh, 20 minutes a day, 30 minutes a day. And so I throw that out as a gracious, as a gracious invitation, right, to read the Bible. All right, we keep going, and, I, and now I'm going to show you worship, connect, and serve as we keep going down in the thing here. And so, from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to, now here comes the serve part, ready? So as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. Now, that, that could include all three. Fully pleasing to Him, bearing fruit in every good work. Now, as I told you, the the New Testament talks about serving, usually calling it good works. There it is. Every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to His glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy. So there you see the serve piece mentioned. 
The connect piece, I'm going to show you a verse in a second in chapter 2, but the connect piece, in one sense, it's assumed. It's assumed here in the, 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 that fir- those first two paragraphs. You know how? Every time you see you in that first chapter of Colossians, do you know what he's saying? How do we say it? He's saying, y'all. He's talking to a church there, there is no, in Paul's mind, there's no such thing as a Christian who's not in the community. There's just no, there's nobody like that. He assumes it. And yet, he needs to encourage them con- to connect, as I'm going to show you. There's a sense in which if grace has come down out of glory and out of heaven and has given us a new heart, that's regeneration. These things happen. Faith, hope, and love happens. Worship, connect, and serve, they happen but then why, this is, this, is, this is what the Christian life is. It's basically be what you are. Why do we have to be told to be what you are? Which is what Paul does all through his letters. Here's what you are. This is who you are in Christ. Now, be who you are. Why? Why does he have to say that? Because we, the fallen world and our fallen nature drags us down. And, it, and, and he has to encourage us. And God gives us grace to grow. All right? All right, look at verse 12. Here comes the worship piece. He's praying for them. Pray that you'd understand God's will. You understand the gospel. The Bible will help you. That you will be... uh, He talks about their good works. They're serving as you grow. Serve. Now here comes the worship piece. Verse 12. Giving thanks to the Father. That is worship. There it is. Randy just talked about it. Worship is us responding to grace and giving thanks. It's not us coming in here and getting entertained. Giving thanks to the Father. Who has... Here here are some of the words that I put at the top of the page for what the gospel is. And, And this first one is stunning if you've never thought about this. Who has qualified you? Think about that. Who has, he has qualified you. That's the gospel. What, is our, what, is, what do we tend to do? We tend to think the other way. What am I doing? And am I doing? Have I been doing it well enough? Have I been doing it long enough to be qualified? I wonder if I'm qualified yet. Am I qualified to go to heaven? Look at that. He's qualified you. Period. Over. It's done. He's qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He's delivered us. You see what Paul's doing now? He's worshiping. He's delivered us from the domain of darkness and he's transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption. He's redeemed us. Those things, those words at the top are all past tense, finished, done. They're not things that you add to they're not things that you, you make more sure. If you worship enough, if you connect enough, if you serve enough, then maybe you'll be qualified, delivered. No. The gospel is done, past tense. Justification. And then he goes on, and I'm not going to read it, but if you have an ESV starting at verse 15, you have this huge, massive hymn of glory 
Jesus, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn and on and on and goes. He like, he, he, just the, the thought of Jesus in his mind sends him off into this soaring anthem of who Jesus is. That's worship. Now, I'm running out of time. Now, what I've drawn on here, uh, a line from worship, and, and Randy, in the sermon, and you'll hear at 11, he prioritizes worship out of these three, worship, connect, and serve. So what is one of the things that happens at wor- in worship? And I've got the line drawn back up to the top to the gospel. So what does worship do according to what I've drawn there? What does it do? What does it do? It goes back up. It strengthens my comprehension and my understanding of the gospel. It strengthens it. It goes back up. It strengthens and it comes back down again as more grace. So it's the grace waterfall powered by the gospel, powered by grace. Do you see that? Now, there's a little splashy thing there that says union with Christ. Now, that's just to make sure we understand because you could, you could get the impression looking at this that I keep this thing going, I keep it going as long as I worship, especially and connect and serve, then I keep the thing. But that's not, that's not con- correct. Union with Christ, union with Christ. Paul never calls a Christian a Christian. Never, not once. Do you know what he calls a Christian over a hundred times? Someone who is in Christ, in Christ. Christian is like a cuss word in the New Testament. Nobody was called it unless you're getting cussed out. Oh, you're a Christian? In Christ. We're in union with Christ. Think of a hose up to heaven from Jesus down to you that keeps the flame, keeps the fire going. Right? That's why you keep going. Not because of anything you're doing. But think about it. That is part of my understanding of the gospel, that I'm in union with Christ and that from all eternity, and He's never going to let go of me. I'm qualified, delivered, transferred, redeemed, forgiven, reconciled, safe, loved and accepted. Therefore, I love, I love my people here. I love Christ. I want to hear about Him. I go to worship. I want to, I want to be, be with people who think the same way. That's connection. I want to serve people because I've been served. There's serve. Now, I had a bunch of stuff here I'm running out of time with. Um, Let me give you one illustration because the connect piece, um, there's an illustration, and I'll use C.S. Lewis. Just give me two more minutes. He was a Christian who worshiped, connected, and served. He never thought of it like, he never thought that. He never said that. But he worshiped at his little... Anglican church that was not a half mile from his house. We, we saw it about 10 years ago. He connected. He had these Christian friends. One of them was J.R.R. Tolkien. Another one was a guy named Charles Williams. And they would meet at the pub, the eagle and the child. They would drink beer, smoke cigarettes, and talk about the Christian life. This was in the 30s. Everybody smoked. Charles Williams died. And what Lewis wrote, he said, that changed our whole group because Charles would draw a certain kind of joke out of Ronald. But when Charles was out, the whole dynamic changed because one person was missing. 
Now think of it like this. You get in a little group with five or six people and y'all are talking about what is, what, what's Christ done for me lately and you hear, you hear how Jesus is working in this one's life and this one's life and this one's life and as you hear that, you hear something about how Jesus works that you didn't know. Do you get the point? How much more you can learn about the, the glory and the sufficiency of Jesus if you're talking about it in a group of two or three or four or five rather than just you by yourself. That connect piece is so, so important. And serve and worship. All right, I've got to stop there. So, um, again, the big point is to see grace at the top and the waterfall goes down, at the down to the bottom. If you, try to, if you try to make this go backwards, again, imagine trying to make a waterfall go up. Worship, connect, serve, so that I can be delivered, transferred. No, if you think like that, if we, and that's our default way of thinking. If we think like that, the Christian life becomes a burden and a disaster. And you'll eventually quit. But this is the gospel. The gospel is at the top. Pours down. Worship, connect, and serve. And pray for our, pray for our, our pastors and, and officers because our responsibility is to see that you're, that you're doing these things. That's our responsibility. And so if, 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 if you're not, we're going to stand, Randy and me and Philip and everybody else that's been here and all the elders, we're going to stand before God one day. And that's a, that's a terrifying thought. But, you know, I could stand here and, and say, doesn't that make you, makes me scared? Doesn't that make you scared? But that's not the motive. There's the motive. I am qualified, delivered, transferred, redeemed, forgiven, reconciled, loved and accepted forever. And then we, life pours out from that, right? You see that? All right, let's pray. Father, thank you for the little bit of time that we've had in, uh, uh, grant your spirit, by your spirit, that we would have a greater understanding just of the gospel of who you are and how our life flows out of that. Thank you that we uh, hear the gospel faithfully preached here in our church. Thank you for that. Uh, go with us now in Christ's name. Amen. All right. Thank you all.